0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Fountain of Life, it is good to be with all of you. This is, I don't know, my third or fourth time, and I always feel so welcomed here. It's so good to be here. This is almost like a second home to me now. There's a lot of familiar faces. I know some of you guys... My name already and, and have had conversations with you, so I'm just thankful to, to be here. And I'm thankful for you guys because you are loving your pastor well by giving him a sabbatical. Um, as, as a pastor myself who has received sabbaticals as well, sabbaticals are, are so wonderful for not only the pastor but his family as well, and for you guys to see that need and to support that need I think is, is so encouraging. And it's going to be wonderful for uh, Pastor Matt and his family, of course. But I, I think it'll be a blessing to the church as well. I was thinking about my last sabbatical. Um, it was, I think, in 2018. And I took, I took you know, a few months off. And, and I was just thinking, how is the church going to be? And I'm <laughs> taking a few months off. Are they going to be okay? They were more than okay. I came back and they, the church grew. And I was like... Okay, okay, God. (laughs) You know, I'm not indispensable like I thought I was. Um, It was funny because newcomers were uh, welcoming me and my family. (laughs) Oh, oh, who? Yeah, it was just kind of a weird, funny thing. But you just never know how God works, and uh, there's a bit of trust there, right? You know, by letting your pastor go for a few months, but. It's going to be good for, um, for, for Pastor Matt, it's going to be good for you guys, too, and I'm, I'm excited about the ways God is going to uh, you know, grow and challenge the church, and this, this series in Colossians, I think, you know, is wonderful. Um, it's a great book, and as I've been kind of going through it and meditating on it, there's so much here, and so I'm looking forward to uh, uh, sharing the word with you guys today. Also next week, and I think I'm coming also in August and September, so get used to me. But, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's good to be here and uh, to gather around the Word of God and, and see what God has to say you know, to all of us, and he has, he has great things to say to us. Um, so as, as we get into this, I'm, I'm going to kind of set the table for you know, this sabbatical and this series in Colossians. Um, it's a wonderful privilege in that way. Um, but as we've read it, I, I just want to throw out something to you guys. Um, I want you guys to think about what you're facing right now, what you're facing right now. Maybe it's a big decision that you're facing. Um, maybe what you're facing is uh, a rocky week or a rocky month of marriage. Marriage has just been hard for you. Or maybe, for some of you, it's work drama, you know? What are you facing? For some of you, maybe struggling with some kind of addiction of some sort. Maybe some people know, maybe some people don't know. Uh, some of you may be struggling or facing health issues, and uh, and that's hard, and, and that's every day, right? And, you know, as you're you're facing that, I just want to ask this, is is Jesus present and involved in that? Is he there? Is he present in those moments? Is he present in what you're facing right now? I think more than we care to admit, there's a lot of times where Jesus is completely out of the picture. We, we don't think about him. And, um, and sometimes we think it's because our issues are maybe too practical. Too, too urgent, too complex, let's face it. Sometimes we're like, this is too real for Jesus, right? Oh, Jesus, that's the, that's the spiritual stuff. This is real life. I, I have to pay rent, you know, for next month. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, we kind of feel like the gospel is not enough. Um, maybe the gospel is too spiritual, uh, too Too simple. And, you know, for the Colossian church, they're, they're kind of drifting away from Jesus. Maybe he wasn't enough. Maybe we need to add on to Jesus or something like that. And so that's kind of what they're going through. But we go through that ourselves. We face that a lot of times as well. And the message of the letter is that, hey, as we follow Jesus, we never move away from Jesus. Because Jesus is everything. So we don't ever graduate from Jesus we don't have a Jesus jersey and then we retire it. And then we say, okay, moving on to other things. We don't add on to him. If I could put it another way, Jesus is not, it's, it doesn't even get to, uh, to the accuracy of it to say that Jesus is the ABCs of, the di- of discipleship. He's the A2Z of discipleship. He is the beginning and the end of discipleship. And so in that way, our, our discipleship, to be gospel-centered. Our discipleship has to be distinctly a gospel-centered discipleship. And Colossians gets at this. Our spiritual growth, it comes from the gospel. And so the gospel is the very source and center of our growth. And as I was thinking about the message today, I couldn't help but look at, you know, your bulletin, and it says, Grounded in the gospel, we gather to grow in the gospel. That's exactly right. You know, that's, that's, that's what Colossians is trying to say. And so in this introduction here that Paul gives in this letter, gospel growth is at the center of, of this, this passage right here. It, it's, it's at the center because it's what he gives thanks about, gospel growth, and it's what he prays for, for the Colossian church. So it's not just any kind of growth, we're talking about gospel growth. And, uh, you know, Paul, he's so thankful, and on, just on a side note, it, just to give you the setting, he, he's writing from prison, and, and he's thankful. This is, this is what the gospel does to people, right? Um, and so, just to get into the text a little bit, Paul, he opens with really a standard greeting, um, of of all of his letters, and he says that he writes alongside Timothy. Now, I think that's worth mentioning, just because there's some people, scholars, those in academia, who might say that, uh, oh, Paul didn't write Colossians because uh, of the different writing style, um, the different word usage. But here, I I think it's very possible that Timothy might have been the scribe of the letter, writing at Paul's dictation, and that wasn't a foreign thing for Paul. Some of you might know, when Paul wrote that glorious, majestic book, the book of Romans, what does he say at the very end? Who, who, who penned it? Actually, he didn't, he didn't actually write it. He wasn't the scribe. It was Tertius, he says. And so Paul often used you know, scribes, and that could very well explain why maybe some of the writing style is not exactly... Um, you know, Pauline in that way. So I think that's important to say. But Paul, he begins this letter uh, with thanksgiving. And as, as, as he does, we get to learn just a little bit about the story of the Colossian church. It's interesting. Uh, we, we find out Paul, he, he had never met them at this point. Um, he only heard about their faith. And he says that the gospel came came to them through Epaphras. So Epaphras seems to have been perhaps like an evangelist, maybe a church planter, and he had planted uh, uh, the Colossian church. Uh, Some say that it's very likely that um, Epaphras had heard Paul in Ephesus at the hall of Tyrannus. And it's interesting what it says in Acts. It says, Paul was there for two years, and it says that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, you know, and Colossae was part of that region of Asia. You can imagine Epaphras sitting there in the hall of Tyrannus, hearing the Apostle Paul preach the gospel, getting convicted, being converted, becoming a disciple, then going to his hometown, going to Colossae, sharing the gospel, and starting a church, and so we, we see kind of the story of the Colossians. Now, how many of us are familiar with Epaphras? Not many. We know, we know Peter, and we know John, right? We know James. We know some of these all-stars. And yet, there's these guys who are mentioned here and there in passing. And here, Epaphras is mentioned. But not many of us know him. Perhaps not even... Perhaps some of us, we didn't even come across his name until just right now in the reading, Epaphras. But I mention that because we see how the gospel often moves and spreads and increases. It's often through people like Epaphras, who are really unknown and who are overlooked. And yet the word of God has a way of working through these very ordinary, unknown people, and, and having the gospel spread in that way. And, and you get a sense that Paul, he speaks in a way to the Colossian church where, where, where they should be thankful for Epaphras. The gospel came to you by this man. You've come to know the gospel through this man. And so it, it is, I think, good for us to even pause and ask, you know, who, who are the Epaphrases in our life that we ought to really be thankful for? And I guess we could begin with Pastor Matt. Right. Many of you have come to know the gospel, and know the gospel more deeply through Him. What a wonderful opportunity to just pause and be be thankful for that, you know. Um, but you know, even even for some of you who um, were converted outside of maybe Fountain of Life, maybe it was a parent, a, a friend, a peer, but. You know, these are people who the world doesn't know. Even the larger evangelical church, they don't know. They don't know their name, but they worked. Um, they God worked through them to, to to save you and to bring the gospel to you. And it's just wonderful to see how God delights in working through people like Epaphras. And and so let's let's be thankful for the Epaphrases in our life. Now, when we look at the large story or the kind of the big picture of, you know, the Colossians and, and how they came to know the gospel, it, Paul uses the words like they heard it, they understood it, and then now it is bearing fruit, and it has brought about faith, love, hope. And when the gospel is firmly planted in the heart of a man, those big three kind of emerge. I would call them foundational fruit. And that could, be, that could launch into another sermon, but we won't go there. But let me just highlight them. Yes, faith, love, hope. Those are going to emerge when the gospel is implanted in a man. Now, again, we could talk, we could talk a lot about faith, love, and hope. But I just want to pause and think about the middle one. It talks about, I've heard you have love for the saints. You love the saints. You love the church. I think that may surprise some of us. I think in the American church, uh, this essential fruit of love for the church has become optional fruit. It's gone from essential to optional. And that's why we hear slogans like this. You know, I, lo- I, I love Jesus, but, but not the church. I belong to Jesus, but not institutional religion. And that's kind of a swipe, you know, at at the church. And so this word is kind of inconvenient for a lot of American Christians. Love for the saints? Like, what? But Paul's saying, when the gospel goes into a man, he loves Jesus, but he also loves the saints. He loves the church. And if you read Paul's letters, almost always he praises God for two things. Faith in Christ Jesus and love for the saints. Interesting. And so here, Paul, he's rejoicing that the gospel is growing among them. And we can say growing because he uses, these, he uses the word of bearing fruit, of increasing. And he says, not only is it among you guys, it's, it's going on throughout the entire world. And it was an exciting time in the early church. To see the gospel explode out of greater Palestine and going into like Asia Minor and that Gentiles were coming to the faith and being reconciled to God, it it was a very exciting time. Now, the way that Paul describes the gospel, it's like a seed. It's like a seed that grows in us. The gospel is meant to grow in us. That's a basic basic point, but we've got to revisit that sometimes. The gospel grows in us. And I think one relevant background to what Paul is saying is Jesus' parable of the sower. That the seed that fell into good soil, it grew up, it increased. These are the words. And it yielded 30, 60, 100-fold. And Jesus, when he explains it to the disciples, he says, that seed is the word of God. That seed is the gospel. And when he went on to explain what the good soil was, he, he, he was saying, it's a heart that hears it and that understands it and that it bears fruit. It's the exact same language that Paul is using right here. You hear it, you understand it, and it bears fruit. And so the Colossian church proved to be good soil, hearing it, understanding it, bearing fruit. And so that's why... Apostle Paul's like, man, I'm so thankful for what God is doing um, in you guys. Genuine faith has that sequence, brothers and sisters. Hearing it, understanding it, and then bearing fruit. Does the gospel go through that sequence in your life? You hear it, understand it, and it bears fruit. I think the, the time and the age in which we live we're raising up a generation of hearers. And that might be it. Um, you, can, you can go online and you could hear the top 10 preachers of America. And they're fantastic. Even I listen to them. And we could be inundated with really great sermons, podcasts, you know, even local church. Pastor Matt is a fantastic preacher. I invite him to my church to preach but is that all that it is? Listening to good sermons? And Jesus makes a point to say, hearing, understanding, bearing fruit. And so we have to recognize that, and so let's pray that we would have hearts of good soil, that we too are, we're hearing it, we're understanding it, and it is bearing fruit, that the gospel is growing in us. Now, this this whole idea of gospel growth Paul is thankful for that, and that's his continual prayer for the Colossians. And notice when we get into that second section where he's praying for them, right? Verse 9, he's going into that prayer. You'll notice the same words appearing again, bearing fruit, increasing. You see, gospel growth is so important to God. It's the thing that Paul is praying for, for the Colossian church, for gospel growth, that it would increase, that it would bear fruit. And Paul says that a walk that is pleasing to God is essentially a walk that is growing. Now, a great big question is, how do we grow, pastor? Okay, it's important to grow. How do we grow? And he says here in verse 9, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And God's will is found in his word. And you'll find that Paul, he often speaks about how we need to be filled with the word of God. And so he's going to come back to that in chapter, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 16. I think it's a parallel passage to what we just read. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And so he's saying the same thing. It's when the word of Christ is dwelling in you, filling you, we put ourselves in positions to grow. So we see the importance of God's Word in our spiritual growth. And can I say, that's not conservative Christianity. That's Christianity, you know? It's not like just for reformed folks, even though I like being reformed. It's for Christians. This is, we have to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, which is found in the Word of God. So we we have to be in our Bibles. And we have to be alarmed when we lose our appetite for the Word of God. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. We have weeks where we don't want to read the Word. We'd rather go on our phones, check social media, you know, check the news because, you know, we haven't seen the news since 15 minutes ago. Something, (laughs) I think we might have missed something, so I gotta check the news again, you know? And, And we lose our appetite for the word. And when we realize that gospel growth is only gonna happen when we get in our Bible, we gotta be alarmed by that and be like We we gotta get on our knees, pray to God. God, I have lost my appetite for your word, but there is no shortcut to growing in my faith. And so so it's important that we have a healthy appetite for the word of God, we're hungry for it. And if we're not, that it would drive us to our knees. I need your word, Lord. I need to be filled with the knowledge of your will. So Paul talks about bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And and that is what healthy, good growth looks like. Bearing fruit in every good work, Increasing in the knowledge of God. And so you have to recognize that balance. And I think I think most Christians, it's hard to maintain. You're like swinging one way or the other. For some of us, I think maybe we're surprised about the positive reference to theology. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Like, theology is not bad. It's good. We need to be growing in theology. He's saying right here, increasing In the knowledge of God at the end of verse 10. Let's just recognize that. But then again, I think there's some people who kind of neglect or forget this idea of bearing fruit in every good work. That your faith calls you to get off the couch, turn off the TV, and do things for the Lord. Like make a difference in your life. Like bless somebody else. And so... So we need that balance. We, we need to have both, growing in our knowledge of God, but flourishing in every good work. Now, as he gets into verse 11, there's so much in here, we're kind of moving quickly, but in verse 11, Paul begins to unpack what this walk looks like that involves bearing fruit and increasing in knowing God. And as far as bearing fruit, there's a lot that Paul can say, but he's, it's, it's kind of for the Colossian church, but he's highlighting some things here. And one of the things is endurance. May you be strengthened with all power, verse 11, according to his glorious might, for all endurance, staying the course, handling adversity and hardship. Clinging to our faith and to God's promises and what God says in His Word, and He'll say later to the Colossians, "Don't shift from the hope of the gospel." And so, our endurance is not just, you know, um, in 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 doing things, but our endurance is is also in in holding on to the gospel and never letting go. And you know as you guys capture the series of Colossians, I noticed it said steadfast in the supremacy of Christ, steadfast. And so bearing that fruit of endurance, and then then he says patience with joy, patience, not in a hurry, not insisting on our own way right away, having the ability to wait well. Now, if you want to know what waiting well looks like, it is, it, it's the ability to wait with joy. You know, in the early church, one of the highest virtues was patience. It was talked about a lot. They wrote treatises on patience. And one of the things that the early church recognized about God himself it was that he was patient. And think about the unfolding of the gospel over all the ages and generations, how long it took, but how patient God was in doing his work. God is not in a hurry. He's patient. And we can have joy because we can delight in, in being like God, not being in a hurry, waiting, being patient. And then he talks about Thanksgiving, which is a big theme in the book, and it reappears throughout, and Paul himself is a wonderful example because here he is, he's in prison. He's probably been persecuted and, and, uh, and wounded for the gospel, and yet here he is very thankful. And I want you to notice something. That Paul, he does not burden them forcefully about bearing fruit. Like, come on, guys, let's bear fruit now. This week, let's just bear some fruit. He doesn't, he doesn't approach it like that. Instead, what he does is he helps them increase in the knowledge of God. And he does that by revisiting the gospel. Let me say it another way. You want to know how to know God? Understand the gospel. Understand it well. There, God is revealed in all his glory. I know some people, they experience God uh, next to uh, a creek with trees and butterflies all around them. And we do, because God is, you know, God of creation. Creation reveals him. But where where do we find God in the fullness of his glory? it's it's in the gospel. It's in the gospel. That's where we see God crystal clear. And and so it's in revisiting the gospel. That's what he does. And and there in the gospel, that's how we grow in the knowledge of God. That's the beginnings of bearing fruit. And so he starts going into it. And this is kind of where we slow down. And I know like we're towards the second half of the sermon. You're like, okay, slow down. We're going to slow down here. But He says, giving thanks to God the Father, and then he starts going into the gospel. This is what you need to know. And then he begins to just highlight some things here, right? He says, the first thing is, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That God has qualified us. I'll put it another way. He has made us acceptable. He has made us worthy through Jesus Christ. We can stand before God. He has qualified us. And this speaks. I think we need this because some of the questions that haunt us and harass us are questions like, am I good enough? Some of us are quietly saying that to ourselves throughout the week. Am I good enough? Have I done enough? You know? Have I accomplished enough? Am I worthy And so we need to hear these words from God. And boy, if we're having a bad week and we're really struggling, Satan comes in and says, you're disqualified. Don't you know that? You're disqualified. And the word of God comes in and says, don't even believe that. You are qualified in the gospel. And if you're struggling, you need to follow up with this, this question. Was Jesus good enough? Did he do enough? Did he accomplish enough? And is he worthy enough? And I think we all know the answer is absolutely yes. Well, guess what? In your union with Christ, it's yes to you too. Because you're in him. Not because you're good enough, but because Jesus is. And that's where we need to go when we feel disqualified. We go to the question... Was Jesus good enough? And if we can say yes, that should minister to you. He has qualified us. And honestly, that changes everything. That's not just, you know, high theology up, up here. Let me give you an analogy. You know, I think career success is, is important to a lot of us, right? And you feel like you need it to kind of qualify in life, qualify before your peers, to qualify, be approved before others, Right? And so we're asking those questions. Am I good enough? Have I done enough regarding things like your career? Now, let's just say you reach the top of your profession. You experience wild success. Now, when it comes to lesser things, I don't know, like recreational bowling, are you tortured with questions about, am I good enough? You know, you, you didn't get the spare, you know? You, you gutted it, you walk away tortured about if you're worthy. It doesn't matter. It's recreational bowling. (laughs) Now, for some of you, maybe it is a serious thing. I apologize. (laughs) But, man, can we put that on a gospel scale and on an eternal scale? If you have been qualified before the king, that you're in the kingdom, Jesus is with you, God, the fullness of God is in you. Let's go to something like career success, lesser things, far lesser things. All of a sudden, we're not dealing with those questions. We're not tortured by that because he's qualified you. Jesus, it speaks. It should speak. And then he says, delivered from the domain of darkness. Whoa, okay. Okay. You were rescued from the slavery and the misery of sin. That you've been rescued from the power of Satan. Now, when I talk like that, does that sound like an overstatement? Like That sounds crazy. In our salvation, we have to understand that we've actually experienced a more dramatic exodus than in exodus itself. We, we've experienced a deliverance far, far greater and so when, when God says, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness, that's exactly what's happened to you in Jesus Christ. The gospel is amazing. And Paul is saying, don't forget your great deliverance. Don't forget this God that we are called to remain steadfast to and what he has done. Now, for us to, to, to kind of enjoy this a little bit more, Just imagine for a moment what life without Jesus would be like right now. Let me be more specific. Imagine your selfish, besetting sins in full force, unrestrained, running amok, running its course. Imagine that. And imagine the fallout that often happens. When our sin runs its course the broken and tattered relationships that are trailing behind us and the sadness and the ugliness and the misery that comes with that and then we realize we are not who we are to be just yet but we are not who we once were thank you thank you jesus for that i'm not who i once was thank you that you have restrained my sin it's not running its course. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm fighting, and I'm struggling. But I, had, I got, like, leadership over me, and I got brothers and sisters around me, and I got prayer. And, of course, God in my life, I, I can do this. But I think about that sometimes. Where would I be without the Lord Jesus? He has <laughs> delivered me from the domain of darkness. And that what goes right with that is being transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so in the gospel, we've moved out from under this evil, oppressive regime, and we've, we've come under King Jesus, right? Who is the king of righteousness, whose throne is a throne of grace, who when he describes himself, he is meek and gentle. This This is the kingdom that we have entered. We have a king who loved us and died for us. This is the kingdom. Rich in compassion and mercy, a bruised reed, he will not break. He is a friend of sinners. That's our king. It's amazing. We have a new citizenship with new benefits, new privileges. I was was thinking about that more because at our church, we've been helping some refugees. Um, One one family from Afghanistan and then one Cuban brother. And as I've been helping them, I I realize how much I take for granted my own legal status and the fact that I am a US citizen. We're trying to get housing, and they're like, well, you have to have ID, okay. Okay, we try to get ID, and they're like, well, you have to have an address, you have to have housing. What do you do? (laughs) What what are you doing to have, you know? And then when I I saw this brother struggling, I was like, oh my goodness. He can't even get started, right? Here, I, I am a U.S. citizen with all these benefits and privileges. And the same goes spiritually. We've been transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son. The love of God follows you wherever you go, wherever you are. Sometimes it's a little bit hidden. Sometimes we struggle with the mystery of it, but it's always there. You've been transferred into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. And then redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What's the reality? We mess up all the time. We mess up all the time. And there's a few options out there for us. One is work harder, try to compensate uh, for, for the bad with the good, right? Somehow to even it out. You know, there's feeling the heavy guilt, you know, that comes with messing up. There's the fear of punishment, something coming my way because I've messed up, none of those are good options, and and all of those leave us tired and miserable and weary and afraid. But for believers, we don't have to go in those directions. As believers, we have forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. And it's interesting. This is something that Paul's going to revisit in Colossians. Such a basic point. But he feels like, he needs to say it over and over again. You have forgiveness of sins. Not one sin is counted against you. It's because the kingdom of the son is the kingdom of forgiveness. And when you're in the realm of the kingdom, and we always are, you're encircled with forgiveness. You're in a, status in a place of forgiveness we've been forgiven for all of our sins and i'm going to say something crazy to you guys if we're in the kingdom our sin does not repel jesus our sin draws jesus because he's the great physician and what he loves to do is to heal and to restore and to forgive I think that should blow our minds because we think okay we've sinned Jesus wants to have nothing to do with me no when Jesus sees that we've messed up and we're in sin he moves towards us and he's ready to heal us and to say again that we have been forgiven if anything when we sin and we feel separated from God it's because we've separated ourselves But see, this is the kingdom of the Son. And so wherever you are right now, and maybe this week has been hard, Jesus is drawing himself to you right now. There's no reason to, to stall or to back away. You're in the kingdom of forgiveness. You've been forgiven. And so is there anyone like Jesus? Is there any kingdom like his? There is none. And if there's anyone here who's outside that kingdom, Jesus invites you in freely, calling you to repentance, inviting you to believe in him. And so, as we have slowed down in verses 12 through 14, been qualified, right, been delivered, all, you know, all these wonderful things, being transferred in the kingdom of the son, being forgiven... Let me go back to the big picture. You never graduate from those things. You don't go, oh, I know that, and then move on. You go deeper into those things. Go deeper into the fact that you've been qualified, right? That you've been delivered, that you've been transferred into the kingdom of his son, that you've been forgiven. Go deeper into that. We only taste the surface of that. And Paul says, don't move away from that. You stay there. And you go deeper. And this is not the last time we're going to hear these same things from Paul. Because he says, we got to get this. And we got to stay here. Now, the stamp and the seal of, of all that we've been talking about, you know, is that the gospel is a gospel of grace and truth. And you see that throughout the passage. The word of truth, right? The word of truth. Um, the grace of god in truth grace and truth and this is just to kind of finish off you know this passage here but paul is saying all these things it's grace don't misunderstand it don't turn it into something else don't turn it into your works it's grace That is the gospel. Yes, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But it's ours, and it's all ours. Receive that. Live in it. Enjoy it. Don't forget what the gospel is. And then the second thing is, it's true. Everything he says here, it's true. Have I been delivered? Yes, it's true. Forgiveness, it's true. This is the word of truth, there's nothing more true. I always tell our our little kids at at our church, Jesus is more true than one plus one is two. (laughs) They know that now. This is even more true. And think about the past tense of these things, right? Like, um, he's qualified you, delivered you, transferred you. Past tense, been done, already done. Once and for all. There's not a progression. There's not God waiting to see if, like, like you're on probation. Like, okay, show, show me something. It's done. You have been delivered. You have been transferred. You have been forgiven. And it's all true. Do we live in that? And God's calling us to live in that. And Jesus is, is drawing us back in saying, this is it, this is my kingdom, and this is great. And this is, these are the things that we meditate on and stay in so that we would grow, and then so that we would bear fruit, and then so that we would increase. I pray that for you guys. Pray that for me as well, and our church too, that we would stay in the riches of the gospel and let its seeds just bear fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this precious word. You are so good to us. God, open our eyes to see it. Forgive us of our unbelief. Bring us into the, bring us to the deep end of the gospel to enjoy all its benefits to be reminded how much you love us. And and through that, that we're growing in our knowledge of you and that it's spurring us on to bear fruit in every good work. We pray for gospel growth in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.